a nation in moral crisis. So how do we get out of it? Well, let's talk about that next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Nation in Moral Crisis. That's the title of our series that we've been exploring for the past few Sundays here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Welcome to our program. We're back once again taking a look at who it is that runs our home and why it is so important if we're to avoid a, a moral crisis here in our nation. It has to start first within our own walls here at home. Join us. For today's broadcast of Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard. And then at the close of the broadcast, we've got a special invitation for you. We'll tell you all about it in just a bit. Biblical wisdom in Proverbs is the skill to cope with all kinds of people. Fools, angry, drunks, seductive, on and on. It's not an IQ test. The fool in Proverbs doesn't lack IQ. He lacks moral judgment. He can be brilliant in IQ and not have the divine perspective in his decisions. Do you follow? The, the, the wise man in Proverbs isn't the highest in the class GPA. It has nothing to do with that. It has something about moral decision making, how they choose to relate to people. Well, Ephesians and Colossians keeps telling us, when you come to the new life in Christ, he wants you to put off these old patterns and put on new. Now, let's look at young people. They, they, uh, they're fighting the moral battle. Maybe they've been promiscuous. Maybe they're 21. Marriage is on a, a downward slide now. M more people, less marriages every year, more people just choose to live with each other. But even if you just choose to live with each other without a license, you still are going to have the relational battle. A one-night stand, it's over. You just might fight over who paid for the evening meal, but it's over. No obligations, walk out the door, clean and free. I don't have to put up with your personality. But you mean we want to move in together? Oh, man. That's a different proposition. You mean you want to live with me day in and day out? I think I do. But if I decide I don't, let's not be messy and get a divorce. Let's just walk. So this is on the increase in America. Uh, couples living together, no marriage. Because they want to be able to walk anytime it gets a little rough. Okay, so what patterns did you bring to your marriage that would make it succeed? Now, look at Ephesians, what he's telling these believers. They need to have a Christian home. It begins a series in verse 18. He's commanding all these here in the church. He's talking to the church. Stop getting drunk with wine. Ephesus was known for the wine goddess Dionysus. Oftentimes you got drunk when you went to the temple, so wine had a prevalent uh, way in that city. Stop getting drunk. It's dissipating your energies. But continually be getting yourselves filled with the Spirit. Get under his control. Okay, wonderful. Uh, what effect will that have? Well, let me tell you. I'm going to tell you some immediate effects, and then I'm going to give you some relational effects 
of coming under his control. I'm going to tell you some things through verse 21 that will happen when you come under the control of the Spirit. Then I'm going to tell you what it looks like in a marriage. Then I'm going to tell you what it looks like with kids. Then I'm going to tell you what it looks like on the job. And then I'm going to tell you what it looks like when Satan comes against you the rest of the book. Look what spirit filling will immediately produce in someone under his control. Watch what it does. Um, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Wow, that seems weird. Speaking, speaking in tongues, didn't say that. What is the content of your speech? Psalms, hymns, and the, as a whole were the Psalms, 150 of them. But hymns were basically praise vertical songs. There is music to be sung to one another. Colossians 3, when we sing, we ought to admonish one another in our singing. So there are verses in the Bible that says we sing to one another. But this is vertical singing. You're going vertical. You're singing psalms, and you're singing hymns, and spiritual songs, which, uh, I don't know, spirit-produced songs in the congregation. They were writing the songs, whatever. The idea is I'm speaking to one another, but my speech is positive, and my speech is something that glorifies God, and it will edify the believer. So he changes my mouth and the substance of what I talk about. It, would that be fair, or am I making that up? My speaking has changed. I have different message to speak about. Do you ever quote scripture to one another? Uh, I meet with, uh, I can't tell you who, uh, but I meet with certain people, uh, their relatives and different ones. They're an inch deep. Uh, I never hear a verse. I never, a lot of Christians I meet with, you never hear a verse. And, and see, I grew up, with people that talked it all the time. So when I get with uh, people that never talk it, I think, wow, what's your problem? I, I was with you all day, and I never heard a verse. You talk about what you're full of, right? Jesus, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, anyway, that's too convicting. Let's go on. Uh, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. This doesn't mean you're on the worship team. God forbid. Most of you have no business up here. But you're singing anyway, because it's a heart attitude. It's coming from your heart, and, and you're singing vertically to the Lord. It, it, it's, he says it. I'm not making it up, am I? This is not a music conference. He's talking about the spirit-filled life. Uh, Always griping. Oh, giving, thank you. Giving thanks for, do, do you think he may have had a scribal error there? For some things, for all. Other words, a spirit-filled people puts off a radiance of thanksgiving. They won't be setting in on gripe fest. They will not gripe. They got too much to be thankful for. The complainers in the church, I know they're not under the Spirit's control. Spirit-filled people give off the aura of thanksgiving. I'm too thankful for what God. 
you know, my own home, because my father was a depression survivor. Every night at the job, uh, uh, at, at the table, we'd hear this, and I thank you, uh, dear Lord, for Henry Biggie for letting me work. Henry Biggie is over on 98th Avenue in San Leandro, runs a huge ironwork company, cranes. You see them all over the Bay Area. My dad knew what it was to stand at a gate all day and never be hired, and when he was hired, he got paid for a dollar for the day. You did not hear him complain about his employer because he faced starvation in Kansas, and he begged for a job. Us brats, us complainers, us pessimists, the spirit is not in control of a murmur. It's what ruined Israel in the wilderness. Everybody murmured against God and Moses. It's a sin. It's as bad as immorality in the sight of God. Get rid of the murmurs. Contend for unity. Is there anything God's doing for you that you can give him thanks for? When the Spirit's controlling your heart, the theme of your heart will be thanksgiving, 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 thanksgiving. And then, get this what he says. And he doesn't have any marriage in view yet. And be submitting one to another in the fear of Christ. You've got to be kidding. Submitting one to another... I ain't submitted to anybody, honey. I'm a self-made man. I don't submit. Well, if I do, it'll be to God, but don't you put any middlemen in there. And be submitting, all you women, that is. Do the women ever see the men submit in this church? Could you men teach your wife how to submit? I said, could you men teach the women how to submit? Have they ever seen it in you? Hot shot. You're going to tell her to submit. When did you start submitting? I can't hear you. Please say, oh, me. What's that all about? I ain't submitting to anybody. I know because the Spirit of God isn't running your life. And he doesn't run your home. If he can't run you... Homes are made up of people. Your home is no better than you. Because I'm talking to husbands and wives. Your home is the external display of what's going on in your heart. Submitting. I see some people have never grown because they can't follow instructions. They've got an unteachable spirit, an unsubmissive spirit. And so... They're running their own life. God's not in charge. Now he moves from this personal evidence. Wait, this is going to another book. Are you able to turn? Can, can you turn pages? Do, I mean, you, you got the strength to do it? Right, right back. One book. Go, go easy. We don't want the binding to break. Go back. Chapter 5 of Galatians. A spirit lad person. What do they look like? Verse 16, I say, live your life by means of the Spirit. Walk is your life, the way you order your life. Live your life by means of the Holy Spirit, and you will not carry out the strong desires of your fallen sin nature. Okay? 
Well, what does a sin nature act like? Well, it gets angry, it envies, it gets drunk, it's immoral, it's full of strife, jealousy, disputes, dissensions, factions. Why is there always an argument when you show up? Because you're walking after the flesh. You're a factious, divisive, non-unifying person. You're in sin, and no one's told you. We call it church life. I vote my own conscience. So what? When did your conscience start running God's house? How about voting God's conscience? Do it the biblical way. Well, you know, I, I'm a giver here. I've got a right to tell. No, you don't. You have no rights when you acknowledge you are owned and bought by Christ. He's the only one that should have rights around here. Yes, this isn't about my rights. He bought the church. And I'm like McGee. If you don't like God's universe, create one of your own. He's Lord of his creation. Now watch. He says, walk. Now, how do you know if you're under the Spirit's control? Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you something about fruit. I, I was ready to cut down my apricot tree this year. I've had three years, no fruit. And I'm not watering a tree that doesn't put out. Okay. Now, I hadn't fertilized it for years. I barely watered it, barely. You know, I still want the fruit whether I take care of it or not. You know, so I'm a selfish landowner. But fruit, fruit is life, life on display. Is that, can you get that? It's life on display. When that apricot came out this year, we had a great crop. It bothers me the birds got so many but I would just say, when the birds were up there knocking them off, I said, well, God's got to keep his promise. He said he'd feed them. But I want him to feed him with my neighbor's tree. <laughs> but it's sanctified fruit. It belongs to a preacher. Uh, but fruit is life on display. The fruit of the Spirit is the life of the Spirit on display. And the life of the Spirit is the life of Christ that he's making visible in us. Remember, Christ is now invisible. He wants to be visibly seen. He has sent the Spirit, make my character on display. And what will Christ's character look like if you're depending on the Spirit? It will look like this. Say, whoa, this person has love, joy, peace. Now that is personal inside stuff. I, I'm, I've got an attitude of love. I'm, I feel... Uh, I'm sacrificial in my attitude towards God and others. I've got this peace. I've got joy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy in the Lord. Uh, Robert Mushane said the first duty of his life was every morning to make himself happy in God. Are you moody in the morning? Learn to make yourself happy. Starbucks can't do it ultimately. You'll need God's help. Uh, two, notice. And it produces patience. And you know what patience means? Putting up a long time with people. It enables you to put up with people how they drive you batty. Because this is a people word here. Uh, there's one, patience and suffering. But this is patience with people. And uh, I love God. I just can't stand people. Not possible. When you're right with God... He gives you a people tolerance. That's, isn't that a terrible way to say it? Kindness, 
goodness. And then he'll produce in you faithfulness, which is reliability. You'll do what you say. Gentleness, and that word gentleness uh, is a word that was used of mellow wine or of a tamed horse. Uh, are you mellow to be around? And, and this word was used to describe Jesus in Matthew 11, that when you're in my yoke, I'll teach you to be gentle and humble. And I tell you, most of my life, I've run around with type A personalities and there's not a gentle bone in them. They're ready to break your neck. Could you imagine, say, I, I lived in Richmond and San Pablo. Everybody's gentle. Stop your lying, boy. No. But he said, God will teach you to be gentle. Mellow, mellow out. And, and the proof of this is kids were always drawn to Jesus. Kids never get around impatient people. They know they better run from the woods. Well, that's a little clue of what you'd look like if the Spirit's control. Now, let's take this to marriage. First of all, you've got to take care of you. Now we come over here and I got this wife. And in Ephesians 5, he picks on her first. But I don't think if you ask Jesus, he'd think he's picking on anyone. He said, no, let me just describe how it works out. And primarily, he says, the wife in a Christian marriage will submit, submissively follow the Lord. And in her submission to the Lord, she will even submit to an imperfect husband. Now, watch this. Watch this. Christ, who was never married, never married, he models both things he's going to tell us. He, t he emphasizes submission with the wife and sacrifice with the husband. And he said, I model both, submission and I submitted to the Father's will to sacrifice myself for sinners. So he wants both of these on display in a Christian home, and she gets the great privilege of living out the sacrificial love of God, or rather the submissive love of God, and the husband lives out the sacrificial love of God. They're both. They both take the Holy Spirit. They're not natural to any of us. Because we can subjugate a woman, as the Near East did, uh, uh, treat her as property, Treat her inhumanely. She's good for uh, babies and meals and uh, property. Uh, but she, none of this valuing her like he's going to tell the man to do. But if you make a person submissive, say, when you put a gun to my head and tell me to do something, I'll probably do whatever you tell me. But it won't be submission. It's subjugation. And so we've not been called to subjugate our wife. Did you know what's interesting? You, now, listen, men, I, I hate to tell you this. I, you may not be here next week, so we're going to take another offering. Uh, is that uh, the father never made the son submit. Never one time. Unless you've got a verse. When did the father ever say to the son, you've got to submit? You've got to submit. 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 I said submit. Where? Where? Show me the verse. And husbands, hear this. You never need to tell your wife to submit. You're not big enough to make her submit. You're not told to make her submit. That's between her and God. 
Can you trust the Holy Spirit to do for her what he's not yet doing through you? Have you started being sacrificial? Well, no, I want her to start submitting first. She's got to earn my love. No, 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 this is a Christian home. It operates on grace. It operates on the power of the Spirit. Right? You say, no, 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 no. I, I, it doesn't operate. I, I want Jesus for heaven, but I don't want him to run my home. It's obvious he's not. That's why it, there's so much conflict and why it's not a little bit of heaven. Did you know what? A home lived under the Lordship of Christ is a little bit of heaven on earth. I know it because I have a godly, spirit-filled wife of which I never get to win against her because the Spirit won't let me win. Women, if you do it God's way, you get someone bigger than your husband watching out for you. As he watched out for Sarah in 1 Peter 3 when Abraham's lying and trying to save his neck, you are the daughters of Sarah if you keep trusting Abraham's God, but you don't always have to trust Abraham. Trust his God. It was his God that rescued Sarah, not Abraham. This is Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Today's broadcast is taken from our series called A Nation in Moral Crisis. Now, if you would like the sermon today's message was taken from, without any obligation, just simply call and request it, and we'll send one out to you. If you'd like the entire series, ask for it by name, A Nation in Moral Crisis. And for a gift of $10 or more, we'll send this CD set your way. Please bear in mind that the resource materials and the broadcast here on KFAX are available through your generous donation, your financial partnership with us as we continue the ministry of the gospel again here on KFAX. So again, for a donation of $10 or more for this month, we'll send you the entire four CD set. It's called A Nation in Moral Crisis. Here's how to get a hold of us. You can contact us toll-free at 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us by phone toll-free 855-833-9864. Or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Well, once again, here in studio with us to shed some light on where we're at today as we take a look at our series, A Nation in Moral Crisis. Once again, Pastor Phil Howard. Phil, you know, as I think about it, we are a nation in moral crisis. But the question is, is it worse? Are we worse off than, say, the first century church some 2,000 years ago? Well, in some ways, uh, yes. If we're talking about America and a uh, country that was home to those fleeing persecution and came with a, certainly a God perspective. Uh, we're not perfect by any means. And so we've had great liberty, a great work ethic, and been ahead of so many nations. But in a way, uh, our world is coming around to the world of the first century church. Uh, the church was planted uh, when Rome was in chaos, when Nero was falling apart, morals uh, had fallen to the gutter, the Colosseum was 
being entertained with people watching others consumed by lions and gladiators, uh, violence, criminality. And so, in some ways, it's always been bad. Uh, but we who are able to judge it by Scripture says, Oh, America has gone a long ways from God and desperately needs the gospel, needs Christ to woo us back to the God that perhaps our fathers knew or didn't know, but take us back to God. It'll change our marriage, change our personal life, and hopefully change the culture we live in. Well, as we learned a couple of Sundays ago here on Truth For Today, as the family goes, so goes the culture. Thank you, Phil. And friend, thank you for joining us here today on Truth For Today. As we close out our broadcast, a couple of questions to pose to you. Have you ever wondered about our origins? Is the biblical view of creation accurate? And are you able to present and defend the biblical view of creation to your children or friends? Well, if the answer is yes, no, or maybe, I would encourage you to attend the Creation Conflict Conference with Dr. Bill Barrick, a former professor and director of doctoral studies at the Master's Seminary. Now, this conference will be at Valley Bible Church April 11th through the 13th. Friday, 7 to 9 p.m., Saturday, 9 a.m. to 12.30, and Sunday mornings, two presentations of the same material, 9 or 11, with a final session Sunday evening at 6 p.m. For the weekend Friday-Saturday sessions, admission is $10 for adults, $5 for students, and you can register at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. This is an event for the whole family, so plan on attending and bringing a friend. And again, more information and registration can be found at valleybible.org. Thank you for joining us today. Until next week, God bless.